Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello everyone, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds. Thank you for tuning in to Bible Truth. Before I begin the teaching today, I would like to mention the new Bible Truth podcast that we now have available. We're really excited about this. It gives us an opportunity to uh, preach and teach God's Word uh, in another avenue. Uh, You can find the Bible Truth Podcast on most of your podcast platforms. Uh, If you can't find it there, you can go to our website at mountvernonbaptisttemple.com and uh, find the link there, and it takes you to where you can listen to the Bible Truth Podcast. The podcast will include our radio programs, as well as our Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night services. And then we'll also be doing some interviews and some personal uh, teaching through the Bible as we uh, get the podcast off the ground. But it is available now, and we wanted to tell you about it because we're really excited about it. If you go to uh, your favorite uh, podcast platform, just search Bible Truth Podcast Tim Reynolds. And it'll come up there somewhere near the top, and then you can follow that. And you can also share it with people as well and listen to it at your own time. You're not locked into a certain radio time or anything. You can listen to it at any time. And I encourage you to do that. And we're really excited and going to see how God uh, uses the Bible Truth Podcast as he has our radio ministry. We're continuing our teaching through uh, the Bible. We're in the book of Ephesians today, and I've titled the teaching Heavenly Places. This will be the last portion of the uh, book of Ephesians that we'll be teaching, and I'll read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This very rich letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus has taken us through the sovereignty of God and the salvation of man. It has revealed to us the mystery of the church and the mission of the Christian. Now, in this conclusion, Paul is revealing the spiritual warfare that is taking place all around us. Though it is unseen by the natural eye, it is nonetheless very real and it is eternally consequential. Now, much of what we see occurring in our nation today, including in the political realm, the cultural realm, uh, financial realm, uh, educational realm, just all these areas involve spiritual warfare. This is not simply a Democrat versus Republican, left versus right, blue state versus red state, uh, progressive versus conservative issue. It's about the forces of good versus the forces of evil, which is ultimately the forces of God versus the forces of Satan. Now, let's begin with the adversary. There in our text, the Bible tells us to watch out because we must be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil is our adversary. The word wiles there means the tricks or the schemes of the devil. First uh, Peter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. 
Beloved, we have a very real adversary who is stalking, who is prowling. He is scheming uh, and looking to devour us. Now, here's the good news. If you are saved, excuse me, if you are saved, he cannot touch your salvation. He can't take that away from you. That's eternally secure in the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit of God. The bad news is that he can devour our peace, our testimony, our influence. He can devour our joy and our contentment and so much more. So the question is, how do we deal with an unseen enemy like this, this adversary, the devil? Well, first of all, I think we need to understand the believer's power. Listen again to verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Listen, our own mental acuity, our physical prowess, uh, uh, our determination and willpower, these things are no match for the devil. Our power source is the Holy Spirit of God. Paul says this earlier on in the book in Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 21, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. That's good news for us. Because of the Holy Spirit of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have power uh, over Satan and his schemes. Don't rely on yourself. Don't say, well, I'm going to have willpower and, and I'm going to resist the devil uh, through my own strength and that it, it won't work. It um, can only be through the Holy Spirit of God. That's the believer's power. And then we see the believer's protection in Ephesians 6 verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice it says the whole armor of God, just one missing piece will expose us to the attack of Satan. He is constantly probing and poking and prodding, trying to find that weak area in our lives and attack it. It's that way in the world of sports. Uh, back whenever I was a teenager, uh, I made a uh, probably a very feeble attempt at boxing. Uh, I took some boxing uh, classes and actually a couple performances, and I enjoyed it. But, you know, in boxing, in order to be effective, you're always looking for the weak spot of the opponent. Same thing in basketball. I played a lot of basketball and, and part of the uh, fun of basketball is trying to find the weak area of the other opponent, the other team. And so that's what it, that's like in the area of sports. Well, the devil is doing the same thing to you and I. He is looking for that weak area. That's why the Bible says they're the wiles of the devil, the schemes or the tricks or the devices. He has a bag full of tricks. And if one thing doesn't work, don't think he's going to quit because 
Satan will look for something else to entice and to give us problems in our lives. And then we see the believer's pressure in verse 12. Paul continues and says, for we, includes himself, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Notice he says we wrestle. This is an ongoing, ever-present battle. He doesn't say we're going to wrestle or we used to wrestle. He says we're, we're doing that presently. We wrestle. This is an ongoing battle. It's just every day, just expect it. And he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Listen, your boss at work is not your enemy, okay? Your spouse is not the enemy. Uh, your a neighbor that's difficult and hard to get along with sometimes is not your enemy. Your obnoxious coworker is not your enemy. We're not wrestling against people. So our battle is not with people. It's not against flesh and blood. Well, then who is it? Well, he goes on and tells us, he says, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Right here, we have the satanic hierarchy, much like a military would have. You know, in the military, you have privates and then corporals and sergeants and so on up the ladder to the, to the uh, lieutenants and captain and so on. Well, you have that same thing described here in verse 12. I'm not going to break all of those down. What I want us to understand, though, is that that is where the battle is at, all right? It's with the spiritual forces. You say, well, I think that sounds strange. I don't believe that. Well, the Bible teaches it. That's what the Bible says. And even though we can't see them or hear them, sense them with the senses God has given us, it is nonetheless very real. And I think it's even more prominent in the world in which we live today. And that brings us to the second point, the armor of the Christian in verses 13 through 17. Here we have listed six pieces of armor. These would be armors. Paul here is illustrating the the weaponry and the armor of a Roman soldier because his readers at that time would be able to identify with this. And I think we can as well. Listen, please, to Ephesians 6 and verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You see, you have these, you have these six pieces. Now, five of them are defensive. He says, have your loins girt about or surrounded with truth. Uh, I just taught something on this uh, a little bit ago in regards to truth. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? You know, if we want to know truth, we need to go to God's word. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now, your loins skirt about with truth and then the breastplate of righteousness, not our righteousness. The Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. It's the righteousness of Christ. And then our feet shod or protected with the gospel of peace. The word gospel means good news. There's peace in a world that is at uh, at odds and is restless. There is peace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the shield of faith and then the helmet of salvation, All of these are defensive. And then there is one offensive weapon. He says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
You see, the word of God is the greatest offensive weapon that the believer has. Why? Because it feeds us. It gives us truth. It equips us and lets us know everything from how to raise our children, to have a, a successful marriage, how to handle our finances, how to have a relationship with God, how to live here on earth while we prepare for heaven. All of this is in the word of God. Listen, a good soldier familiarizes himself with his equipment. I can remember when I was in basic training in Fort Benning, Georgia, many years ago, uh, whenever we used to take our uh, rifles apart, you had to take them apart and clean them and then take them apart again. And we did that over and over and over. And I thought this is the most ridiculous thing. We got to where we would do it in the dark. Uh, you'd have to be able to take your rifle apart, troubleshoot it, put it all back together. And I thought, why are we doing this? And now, uh, you know, as I began to understand, uh, it was familiarizing all of us to our weapons because you never know in the battle when you may have a misfire, you may have to take your weapon apart and, and be able to put it back together and figure out what's going on. You must be familiar with the equipment. The same thing in regards to the word of God. Sad to say, many Christians, the only time they look at their Bible is when they go to church on Sunday. And even then, maybe they don't, they don't take their Bible. Beloved, if, if at any time in history, we need to know the Word of God, it's now. We need to be familiar with the Word of God and know what the Word of God has to say. But it requires use. We must use the Word of God and apply it to our lives. Now, we're going to look at the next point in just a moment, but I want to take a break right here. And I want to tell you about our churches where I have the opportunity opportunity to pastor. If you do not have a church that you uh, attend, and I hope that you do, but if you don't, we want to invite you to Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. We are located at 817 Woodland Drive in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Our Sunday school hour begins at nine o'clock with classes for all ages. 10 a.m. is our morning worship service. Six o'clock is our evening service, and then Wednesday night Bible study at six o'clock. You can find out more about Mount Vernon Baptist Temple at mountvernonbaptisttemple.com. And then at Waltonville Community Church, we begin every Sunday morning at 11.15 a.m., and we invite you to come there. We're located at 321 South Hiron Street in Waltonville, Illinois. You can also find us online at waltonvillecommunitychurch.com, and I encourage you to attend one of our services if you can. Let's get back to our outline now. We're going to look at the third point in our teaching today. We're going to look at the attack in verses 18 through 20 of Ephesians chapter 6. And here's what the Bible uh, says. Verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, far from being on the uh, backs of our heels all the time in a uh, defensive crouch and and uh, afraid to say the wrong thing and, and always worried about just protecting what we have, believers are called to move and advance in this spiritual battle. We're not moved by fear. In fact, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So how do we move and advance toward the schemes of the devil and the things that he is trying to bring into our lives in this battle. Well, the way we do this is by using our greatest and most likely uh, neglected weapon uh, that we have, and that is prayer. We need to utilize prayer. 
Now, Paul says here in verse 18 to pray frequently. I'll read that verse again, Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? That means that we are to be in a constant uh, state of prayer, being able to talk to God, whether we're out mowing the yard, driving down the road. Of course, it's good to have those times where you get still and you you, uh, take the time to talk to God, uh, and I hope you do that. But even throughout the day, it's an attitude of prayer. That's why he says praying always. Commentator John Phillips says, prayer should be as natural to the soul as breathing is to the body. It is a constant attitude of prayer, whether formal or informal, about anything and everything. God wants us to pray frequently. And then we should pray fully. He says there again in that verse, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Notice all prayer and supplication. The word uh, supplication means petitioning God. Now, how do we do that? How do we, how do we pray fully? Uh, you know, when we think of prayer, sometimes it's, Lord, please bless me and give me a good day. Amen. Well, that's praying, and you can even pray that frequently, but that's not really praying fully. I think there are five aspects to complete prayer. If we're going to pray fully, I think that involves five aspects, and, and you might even write these down. Number one is confession. I call that clearing the line with God. Before we do anything, God, forgive me of my sins. If there's something that's hindering my my uh, fellowship with you, Lord, I want to confess that. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. By the way, confession simply means agreement with God. God already knows about it. He's aware of it. He wants you to agree that it is sin. And so confession is the first aspect. Number two, Two is worship. What does that mean? Well, that means as we, after we confess and as we get into our prayer, we begin that by glorifying and praising God. God, you're a good God, and and I just want you to know how grateful I am. Instead of just jumping right in and saying, now I need this, and I need money, and I need health, and, and all of that, there's a time for that. But I believe that, that worship, giving God glory and praise, is the second aspect. Number three is intercession. Intercession is going to God on the behalf of someone else. We have prayer teams at our church where we take a prayer list every week and we pray for folks on that list. We are interceding for them, whether it's for health or maybe strength in a marriage, uh, uh, maybe it's salvation for an unsaved loved one. So there is confession, there is worship, there is intercession, and then there is petition. That's your personal needs. Uh, Lord, I'm having some physical problems. Would you please heal me? Uh, Lord, uh, we're having some financial issues in our family. Would you supply for us? He promises he will. He says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's in God's word. Pray that. And then number five is the aspect of thanksgiving. Always finish with thanking God. God, thank you. I know that I've asked you for some things today, but I want to thank you for your love, your goodness. Thank you most of all for saving me and taking me to heaven. Those five aspects of prayer will help us to pray fully. Confession, worship, intercession, petition and thanksgiving and then pray fervently we need to pray fervently again back to verse 18 there i'm going to read the verse one more time praying always that's frequently with all prayer and supplication that's fully in the spirit 
Now that means fervently in the spirit. Now why is that important? Because when we pray in the spirit, it means we are not praying out of simple repetition or what the Bible calls vain janglings. It's just repeating something and using big flowery words, you know. Uh, God does not expect us to pray in the King James language. In fact, when Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount taught about prayer, he said, don't pray uh, out loud to impress anybody. And he said, don't use repetition. The pagans do that. God's not looking for the same thing to be repeated over and over. It's communicating with God and doing it fervently. Now, what does fervent mean? Well, I think another verse that would help to understand that is James chapter 5 and verse 16. And it says this, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What does that mean, the effectual fervent prayer? I think it means the passionate prayer. It's something that you're really wanting to pray about and you're wanting to seek God's will, God's purpose, God's direction in that matter. And it says it availeth much. That means it really pays off. God wants to hear our fervent prayers. And then the fourth thing in regards to prayer is to pray faithfully. He continues in verse 18, and watching thereunto with all perseverance stick to <laughs> uh, and supplication for all saints. That means you keep seeking, you keep asking, you keep knocking. It may take days, it may take months, it may take years, but you just keep doing that. A-S-K, ask, asking, seeking, and knocking, and just constantly doing that. Uh, I know of people who have prayed for loved ones to be saved, and it took a long time, and then finally that matter was answered. Someone has put it like this. If you say a mouse prayer, a mouse gestation period is 20 days, all right? So a mouse, uh, they, they uh, reproduce very quickly. But if you pray an elephant prayer, you got a big prayer, it may take some time because the elephant gestation period is 22 months, all right? One is 20 days, one is nearly a two-year period. So what would you pray, a mouse prayer? Are you praying mousy prayers or elephant prayers? If we're going to pray those big prayers, we just need to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and be uh, and be faithful and persevere as we pray for those things. And then we should pray factually. Again, in verses 19 and 20, Paul mentions, pray for me, uh, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul is requesting the prayers of other believers to give him the right words to speak in preaching the gospel and for opportunities and especially for boldness. I can tell you this preacher right here appreciates people who pray for me for boldness, especially in these days, because it's so easy uh, to not want to offend anyone and talk about sin and those sort of things. But we must have preachers with boldness, and we need to know there are people behind the scenes that are praying to give our pastors boldness to preach in these days and for opportunities to share the the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, if the Apostle Paul needed prayer for boldness, Tim Reynolds needs prayer for boldness. And I believe we all uh, need that those types of prayers. And then uh, Paul is sending out his reporter, Tychicus is his name, to update the churches on his ministry as he grants grace and peace to the brethren, closing out this letter. Listen to verse 21. But that ye also may know my affairs, my, my doings, what I'm up to, and how I do 
Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. So this man was sort of Paul's uh, right-hand man, his reporter to the church, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. He wanted believers to be comforted. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Thus Paul ends his letter to the Ephesians. I pray the teaching has been a help to you. And again, if you would do me a favor and pass the word about our new Bible Truth podcast available now across uh, many podcast platforms. You can also find uh, find that on our websites at mountvernonbaptisttemple.com and waltonvillecommunitychurch.com. As we begin to build this ministry, we're going to be adding a lot of things. We have new equipment that we'll be adding that will help with our, our sound and delivery, but we're, we're jumping in, in the water, as they say, to get this ministry going so people will have access to the Word of God anytime they want it. You can be out mowing the yard and, and have your headphones and listen to a podcast, and uh, so we're excited about that, and we look forward to uh, you helping us to spread the Word about that. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting Bible Truth, and I look forward to being with you again at our next appointed time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.